Hey Force 5 listeners, this episode may sound a bit different since we used a different medium to record and I didn't have separate audio streams to cut together, so it might sound a bit more rough than my normal shows. That being said, the conversation's really fun and I urge you to stick around for the whole thing because there are some killer stories in here and some awesome picks for your October viewing. Thanks for joining us for this special preview. And now, our feature presentation. Not just one. Or two. Or three. Or four. But five. Force five. Welcome to the Force Five podcast, a show where I force my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we talk about our picks on air. I'm your host, Jason Kleberg, and today I have two guests from the summer's biggest horror film, 1BR. The first is Naomi Grossman, an actor, writer, and producer who plays Janice in 1BR. You may also know her as the iconic character Pepper and Samantha Crow on American Horror Story. Welcome, Naomi. How are you? Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. The second is Alok Mishra, the producer on 1BR, and what a production it was. How's it going, Alok? It's going very well, sir. How are you? I'm fantastic. Um, You know, before we get into 1BR, Naomi, I'll start with you. What are some of your favorite movies in general, just so we can kind of get a litmus test of kind of your tastes? Oh, I see. Okay. Um, Yeah, I'm not to be trusted. Uh, (laughs) My favorite movie of all time is Borat. Uh, in fact, I recently learned from our director of 1BR, David uh, Marmar, that uh, my character and Jerry's character, that is the, you know, the cult leaders, um, aka, you know, apartment managers, um, were actually um, uh, based on some real life, like Hungarian couple that lived in an apartment that he moved into when he first came to LA. And yeah, listen, had I known that going in, I would have had the thickest Eastern European accent. I would have been like Sasha Baron Cohen 2.0. Like it's a good thing that I did not know that or it would not have been the hottest uh, horror movie of the summer. It would have been the hottest mess of the summer um but uh yeah no so that's where i am i quite honestly just sort of fell into this horror thing i i love comedy and apparently comedy doesn't feel the same way about me uh but that's okay um no i'm kidding i uh i just i always sort of fancied myself like a i i you know i always just thought that this business is so hard you kind of got to get a gimmick you know find your niche and um, I really thought my place was going to be like on a, let's say, SNL. And as it turns out, it was on IHS. So, you know, different acronym, but same amount of syllables. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know. I just feel like we don't always choose our path. I think ultimately what I am good at is extreme characters. And let's face it. Uh, big characters like the ones I honed at my time at the Groundlings, which is a sketch and improv comedy theater here in LA, 
are honestly lend themselves really well to horror. You know, you look at like, let's say uh, Freddy Krueger. And I mean, he's really just a big character, which if you dial a certain way, totally has a place on SNL. But if you dial it another, it's, you know, it's a horror movie. And, you know, the same goes for Pepper. Quite honestly, there were half a dozen times I was stopped in a hallway by producers. Oh my God, you're hilarious in tonight's episode. And I'm like, oh, it's not a comedy. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, um, I think there's a place for it too. You know what I mean? There's, um, there is that kind of camp quality in horror at times. And, and like I said, I think sometimes these big characters really lend themselves well to, um, to comedy, you know what I mean? Like the same fall on, uh, down the stairs uh, or on a banana peel can be like hilarious if the fridge, the, the uh, four stooges, four stooges, how many drinks in my hand? Three stooges do it or, you know, um, or really horrible if it's, you know, Jessica Lange pushing down a girl with Down syndrome. I don't know. Am I making any sense? Yes, absolutely. And I must say, <laughs> I would have loved to see you go full Kazakhstan in, uh, <laughs> maybe in the Totally, <laughs> yes, yes. It is my goal to one day have an entire country, like, hate me. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, uh, Alok? What are some of your favorite movies of all time? Um, uh, mostly horror, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I have the, you know, standard, you know, Godfather, Goodfellas kind of, uh, you know, fanboy sort of stuff that everyone always says. I mean, The Godfather is probably my favorite movie, but I'm really drawn, uh, you know, to really um, elevated horror. Like, I love, like, Witch, uh, things like that. Um, those are really interesting films that, like, we want to make. My producing partner, Shane Boris, or myself have a production company called Malevolent Films. And, uh, you know, that's what we're into making. Um, we um, had been, you know, this was our first film. Uh, we both worked in uh, market research for film. We tested movies for 18 years and worked with the studios and so forth. So this was something where we thought we could bring our expertise and sort of our, um, you know, choice in, in, in film and also trying to help kind of I guess mold that film into something that would be very successful based on our prior jobs and so forth. And it was really proof of concept, this film. We put our own money into it, you know? I mean, I, allegedly, I may have mortgaged an already paid off house for my <laughs> portion of it, let's say. But uh, allegedly, you're gonna hear a lot of that tonight, allegedly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, yeah, that, so that's some of the background we had and that's the movies I like. Um, I, think, I, I think I've answered your question, yeah? Yeah, for sure. And, and your market research clearly worked because 1BR is not only fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, but it's all over Netflix. Um, as we speak, it's still in my top 10 on Netflix. So congratulations there. Uh, tell you. us about 1BR. Like, why should people spend an hour and a half uh, with your world? Well, it's a tight 90 minutes. I'll tell you that first off. We're not wasting anyone's time. Uh, I think there's uh, certain things we can tell you about it is that um, we had a great cast, uh, including Miss Naomi Grossman over here for sure. Uh, but N Nicole Bright and Bloom is a fantastic kind of discovery. Uh, we think that David Marmer, the writer director is also a fantastic discovery. We're doing another movie with him, by the way, uh, that we were, you know, just talking to some people today about, uh, but we can't tell you what it's about because we're going to JJ Abrams the shit out of that. Keep that in the box, if you will. 
Um, but we have a lot of discoveries in this movie, which actually make it fantastic. And then we have a lot of like seasoned veterans like Mamie Grossman and also Taylor Nichols and Giles Maddy, and, and also the lovely Susan Davis, who was the, uh, the Stanhope character, but also the mom in War Games, for example. And she's been in a ton of uh, Darren Bozeman stuff. And uh, she's Robert Altman's cousin. And uh, she's a lovely lady and fantastic and so comically, you know, nice and a great relief in the movie. But we had a lot of expertise with a lot of sort of new blood and it all seemed to work out because everyone was very passionate at the project still are i mean we're still coming on podcasts people are still wanting to talk to us apparently after uh you know not only having released in april april 24th and been vod for a long time and then uh, and we're still like floating around like you know the top 100 or top 50 depending on what country you're in uh and, and we're, you know, we were number one on Netflix and top 10, you know, for, for a while and, you know, for different people's feeds, it's different things, obviously, sometimes, but um, definitely in the first week and something, we were in the top five, you know, so uh, it definitely had traction beyond our, you know, friends or what have you. We, I mean, well, what's the most that all of us could know in one group, maybe 100,000 people? Well, there's 80 million people that subscribe to Netflix. <laughs> it's like, it wasn't us, it was people liking the movie and talking about it, having good word of mouth about it. And that's a big you know, market research thing, coming back to that for a second. Like the one thing that really helps a film like this is word of mouth, because if you tell your friend, this is a dope film, that is 10 times better than any trailer I can pay to have cut. Uh, that you're telling your friend is immediately going to move the dial to make them want to see the film or pay to see it or whatever. Netflix is like, you know, you get a subscription, you get everything, right? It's all you can eat. But the people getting their eyeballs on it and their ear holes on it and everything else uh, has helped us get to the point we're at. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're very, you know, maybe I'm skipping ahead here, but uh, we have a lot of interest, I mean, studio interest in like, you know, sequels. And that's all I can say about it. But, uh, but we'll see where it goes. I can add a little bit to that only because I really think that a lot of the success, especially on Netflix, could be attributed to the fact that there was no expectations. Like no one knew anything about this. Like there really, there aren't a lot of, you know, there aren't big names associated. Uh, It was a itty bitty budget, you know, um, you you know, a low, allegedly did a mortgage and already paid off house for it. You know, it was, um, it's, it's sort of a sleeper and all of a sudden, like there, like (laughs) we see this movie that all of a sudden, like doesn't have the names, doesn't have the budget, doesn't have, you know, and all of a sudden it's like captivating the world. And, and it's because no one, no one knew it was coming and nobody had any expectations. So, um, I mean, I just know myself because that, that very weekend that it did hit what number one, I was, um, I went to Palm Springs for a little birthday weekend for some, with like some 25 year old twinks. And let me tell you, they started the, the, like, I think they just wanted a break from like the booze and pool. And so we went inside and, you know, turn on, you know, Netflix and chill. And here we, I mean, they're all on their grinder. You know what I mean? No one's, no one can actually just sit and watch a movie. They also have to try to, you know, see what else is out there. No, no, no. That lasted for, you know, maybe, you know, our soft, soft start, right? By the first 15 minutes, they were in their tidy whities 
screaming like little girls at the screen. And I mean, again, no one knew, knew anything about this, except for the fact that, you know, they were partying with one of the stars of it. But, uh, and that's, I think that's all. They just were, you know, trying to endear themselves to me and they knew that would be a really good way to do it. But um, I mean, it, it was amazing to behold, like th them literally, it was almost like they were in this relationship with the, the set and didn't realize that, you know, Nicole can't hear you, <laughs> you know, it's not interactive. This is not, you know, um, uh, what do you call that? Um, you know what I mean? Anyway, it virtual was uh, virtual reality. Thank you, thank you. Um, so anyway, it was. Um, in my opinion, it's all about expectations, and this one bu uh, bucked everyone's. Period. Including mine. Um, there's some. I, I, well, I'll save um, some questions and things like that for afterwards. This is a hell of a resilient movie as well. Um, Listeners, I urge you to stick around after we get through our lists. Um, 1BR went through some insane trials and tribulations to get made even. And we're going to talk about some of those stories um, from energy drinks to uh, fires, car chases, and uh, COVID. So we're going to walk through some of that stuff after the list as well. Uh, but this is October, the month of pumpkin spice, turtlenecks, and of course, Halloween, which brings us today's Force 5 list five movies that you need to watch during October. So actually, I guess you get 15 movies that you can watch during October plus one BR because that needs to be on your list. And uh, we're just going to give you some other picks that should be on our TVs this month and hopefully they'll be on yours as well. Um, did you, did either of you organize your list in any kind of way or is it just kind of whatever you, whatever came to your mind first? I have no particular There's, order myself. Yeah. Nor I, I. I just have five movies, and I made I made my movies all new movies. <laughs> like so, and maybe even uh, you know one of them's coming out like on Friday. One of them just came out this week. Uh, I was on a, a festival run of our film for a long time, for like I don't know six months of my life, and I met a lot of really great filmmakers and saw a lot of really amazing films that you know I wanted to tell the world about, and it just so happens that some of them are coming out like the last couple months have come out or whatever. So. That's, that's my list, essentially, I'll say that. Mine is probably the opposite. I'm, everyone will have all already seen my movies, but you'll definitely like get more of a vibe of like me. Like I'm more than just Bora, there, there's a little more. Can't wait to hear them. My list is really not in any kind of order either. And surprisingly, like my favorite horror movies are from the 70s and 80s, but I wanted to bring up some newer films that um, maybe don't get as much attention. So I'll kind of go from, I guess, my most popular to my least popular and, and just try and shed some light on some movies that people might not know about, and they totally should. So I'm going to start off, and I'll start off with one from 2001. I know this is not really considered to be a great film, but I still love it. It's called 13 Ghosts. Yeah. So 13 Ghosts is a remake of an older movie called 13 Ghosts, but this one is unlike any haunted house movie that you've ever seen before because the house is literally a machine. It is an awesome setting. Either of you familiar with 13 Ghosts from 2001? Uh, I remember Not at all. I, I remember testing 13 Ghosts, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I, I believe we were in Pasadena or Burbank. I can't remember exactly which one, but I knew we were one of those places. 
Yeah, 13 Ghosts, I think they actually changed the ending and it might have been you that had those endings changed. So <laughs> thank you for that. Um, it's, <laughs> it's got really interesting rules for the ghosts. Um, essentially, you've got this character who um, they get a call or a, a message from their long lost uncle and he has passed away and he's left this house to the family and the family comes into the house and it's this extravagant mansion made of glass and metal and they find out very soon after that not everything is as it seems. There's, who was that, that relative? Uh, Cyrus was was the uncle. No, I'm saying, uh, who was the, who's the actor? Please. Oh, uh, the, I'll have to look up who the uncle was. I, I, I believe it was F. Murray Abraham. If it I'm is. Not. It's F. Murray Abraham. Uh, yep. and, Oscar winner F. Murray Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> and people say uh, the poor man's Ben Kingsley. A lot of times. I can respect that. And then you got Tony Shalhoub as the, the father who's, or the brother who's inheriting this. Also, uh, Matthew Lillard is in there playing yeah. kind of a double role. Uh, but the ghosts are really interesting. There are some effective jump scares. I'm not a huge jump scare fan, but there are some effective ones in this. And there's this <laughs> element to these glasses that Matthew Lillard comes in with. And he can put these glasses on and see the ghosts, whereas others can't see the ghosts. And that makes for some really cool um, scares. And just the design is great. Matthew Lillard, the standout for me in this. And I was actually disappointed to, to learn that the director, Steve Beck, really only did one other movie after this. And it's another kind of cult movie, Ghost Ship. Yeah, he kind of like was in that whole crew of uh, what's-his-face to uh, produce The Matrix. He had that uh, that production company that just did sort of these kinds of films. And I forget, it's... Um, Oh, it's I should I should be shot right now. He's like a huge uh, Jill Silver, Jill Silver, and Jill Silver had a company. Your internet should something. be shot. Those are not good. <laughs> I know I'm terrible. Do you hear me? Am my back better now? Okay, you're you're okay going now. in and out. Back better now? Yeah, it sounds okay now. Okay, all right. So uh, Joel Silver had a company. What was it called? It was like Ghost something. Ghost. It's not Ghost House because that's Sam Raimi. But he had this company that would do sort of smaller budget horror movies for Warner Brothers. And this is Thirteen Ghosts. I believe was one of them. And the other one was the Ghost Ship movie. I think as well. Um, but yeah, that director didn't do go on to do much. Whereas, fun fact, Matthew Lillard went on to direct an amazing film called Fat Kid Stays. Uh, Fat Kid Stays in the Picture. A Fat Kid Does Something uh amazing film it's about this like fat kid who jumps up joins a punk rock band and he won like south by southwest so first time out had an amazing sort of film and i remember testing it and he also then um has had a, such a resurgence late lately as well like he's in a ton of stuff actually and a ton of stuff coming out so i can't wait to see him act some more he also says he wants to be in the new scream movie actually because he says he says he didn't quite die maybe is what he said <laughs> So I'm, I'm happy to see a screen movie of Matthew Willard again. I, I promise you, I'm, I will we'll have my money first day, whether it's on VOD or whether we go to the theaters or not, you know? I love Matthew Willard. He, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of his. Yeah. He's a very nice guy too. Very nice guy. That's my number five, 13 ghosts. All right. Well, I guess I'll go next. Um, so the movie, no particular order. I'm just going to give you, them all at some point, but here's my first one. Um, maybe Spiral, which you can actually watch now on Shutter. 
And Shutter, by the way, has just been killing it. If you guys don't have a Shutter subscription, I mean, I'm not getting paid for this, but like, it's the best money spent. It's the best, like, I think it's four ninety nine or five ninety nine a five ninety nine a month. It's like half the price of a beer in LA. Uh, you should get this as soon as you can. But Spiral's on there. Spiral had played at a lot of festivals we were at, but somehow the timing didn't work out where we could see it at the festival. So I actually saw it on Shutter. So I'd say this about Spiral. Spiral is a movie if uh, like Get Out had sex with Rosemary's baby and then they had a baby and that baby happened to be a wonderful uh, a gay baby. <laughs> and the reason I say this, without spoiling it too much, is the movie's about uh, two gay dads uh, who are raising their daughter in a new kind of, they moved into a, a new small town and Without spoiling too much, uh, of course, things are not what they seem. Uh, it has a super, super creepy uh, atmosphere to it, which and the story unfolds really masterfully. And I don't want to tell you more than that because you just need to see it. Don't even watch a trailer. Don't look at the poster. Just literally go watch the movie. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. I think this is going to be a big cult hit. Um, and that's, that's, that's my first, uh, first of my five. Spiral. I can't wait to see it. I've never heard of it. Awesome film. Okay, I'm next. Um, first, just clarifying, the debates from last night do not count as one. <laughs> I will never watch that, that again. <laughs> that was horrifying, and I would not recommend it. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's October, and uh, if you want to get see some scary shit, YouTube it. Um, so you um you know this is hard i uh, uh there's you know going to all these like horror conventions and whatnot i i have like relationships with uh you know the guy from gremlins zach galligan you know what i mean like we went on a date or uh you know i've gotten drunk with the guy from child's play you know alex vincent like i I know way too much about the candy man for him to scare me anymore. So um, anyway, the point is these movies have sort of transcended for me. Like they're, I no longer see them as the horror movies that they, you know, were intended to be. Now it's like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just, like that's my I don't friend know. I, I, yes. Like I, it, like, it's like now when I watch American Horror Story, I'm like, oh, there's a, yeah, there's a dude holding a cable with a Starbucks cup, like one foot off the screen. So I, I, I don't know. I just, I see things that, you know, others don't. But um, that said, I, I, I'm going to start off um, mostly just in honor of my, one of my favorite uh, friends from in my, you know, um, horror con visits, uh, and that is Rocky Horror Picture Show. You said October Halloween movies. Um, and so, you know, it's not a classic horror movie by any means, but it does have a fun sort of October feel. And um, Patricia Stevens uh, is truly, I mean, she plays Magenta, as we all know. And, um, she has become a dear, dear friend in all of this. And um, uh, the movie itself, you know, I was, I was a theater major. In fact, that's sort of how I know Alok, actually, is uh, one of his 
childhood friends uh, growing up here in LA. Uh, um, went to Northwestern University with me and she became one of my uh, college friends uh, as a theater major there in, in Chicago at Northwestern and when I we both moved out to LA uh, you know I didn't have any friends I was essentially like Sarah from 1BR and so uh, I just made friends with her friends and Alok being you know number one but um, anyway uh, the, the point is, I have a real sweet spot for musical comedies, as does any um, theater major. And, um, you know, and, you know, I am kind of a, you know, fat hag, if I could say that, you know, look at me, I'm in West Hollywood, I'm wearing my pepper shirt, like, um, yeah, so yes, I have a sweet spot for a man in gold speedos, uh, singing and dancing, uh, you know, and so there you have it. And like I said, if you ever get a chance to, uh, you know, attend a, a, a one of these cons with um, her, any anyone from the cast, really, like, I'm not going to lie, at one point, I was at a at a con, and a and um a a fan actually was like, oh, this was actually in London where she's from, of course, and a fan was like, oh, you know, you're you know Patricia, and I was like, yes, indeed, oh my god, I've got to look her up. Like here we are in London, you know, and I was like, do you have her number? Like I don't have her like phone, so she gave me her number. I called it. We were on the phone for a good twenty minutes before she, and, and literally we're making plans to like meet up. 20 minutes in, she realizes who she's talking to. She's like, oh, Naomi, <laughs> oh, I thought you were a fan. I'm like, Patricia, what are you doing? You're <laughs> inviting fans to your home? <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, if you get her on a good day, she might even invite you over, you know, be careful. <laughs> Just saying. Now you came out. Now the listeners are coming out with uh, not just movie recommendations, but also lunch plans. So exactly. Awesome. <laughs> exactly. Very cool. Uh, so my number four, we're going with another Matthew Lillard movie because I have to. 1996's Scream. Um, so when we talk about him being in Scream Five, I really hope they can find a way to do that. Um, he, his fate, I thought was sealed. Maybe not. Um, Wes Craven, of course, I think everybody knows Scream. It's iconic. And it really, it's it's also ironic because it's a deconstruction of the horror slasher genre, but it also ushered in this whole new era of copycat horror in the <coughs> late 90s. Like I Know What You Did Last Summer and Urban Legend and uh, Valentine movies and all those, all those different movies. So it's it's also got one of the best opening scenes, I think, of all time that gave you a real great surprise and it told the audience that ev everything's on the table nobody's safe uh, it's got a really great villain with a really cool twist if you haven't seen scream what's wrong with you go watch it there's four of them now and a fifth coming out so go see it um, i mean if we're, if we're if we're being honest only the, the first three are the only relevant ones like in my mind <laughs> <laughs> like the rest of them are like ah come on I couldn't I mean, tell you a thing about four. I don't remember four. Do you remember any of it? Like I tried to watch it and it's like a oh, Kieran Culkin. He's interested. Yeah, what I don't it wasn't it wasn't <laughs> like it wasn't amazing, I'll say that. I wasn't that over the moon about it. But um as I step on your toes there, uh should I go into my next one then? Um so 
I, this is a great film called Dead Dicks. That's the real name of it, right? And it's this uh, couple, Chris Pavoda and Lee Paula Springer. And they're a married couple, but they are a married writer-director duo, which is very unusual, I will say this. I don't think I've seen hardly any of that ever in my life, uh, as far as like, you know, horror movies, let's say. And without spoiling it, this movie is about a brother-sister duo. Uh, she goes over to his house to because he's kind of suicidal and has mental illness. And that's another big part of this movie, which is very interesting. It actually deals with mental illness in a very real sense, not, not villainizing anybody. Not, oh, I'm a crazy person. I should be locked up, but I'm murdering people, you know, all of the Michael Myers of the world or whatever. It's not like that. It's a guy's a regular guy. He's just, you know, has manic depression. Maybe hasn't been taking his meds. And so she's got a, um, it, the movie starts off with her getting into like, you know, nursing program or kind of med school sorts. And she's got to go over and tell him. And you see that he's hung himself. But as he's hung himself, he walks out and he's naked. He's, there's a dead body over there, which is clearly him. And then there's him over here. And that's all I'm going to tell you about it because it just goes from there. And it's just bizarre and heartfelt, weirdly. And by the end of it, you're just like emotionally spent. An amazing film. You cannot, VOD and also uh, a Blu-ray. And you can get it in U.S. and also Canada. Am I breaking up again? Sorry, I'm getting that message. Yeah, you were uh, a little bit there. Okay, U.S. and Canada is the only place you can get it, uh, either on VOD or Blu-ray. Uh, I don't think I don't know if it has a streamer deal yet, but it is totally worth your money to actually even just purchase it because I know you get sometimes you're on the fence. You're like, ah, should I just? It's like it's four ninety nine or it's seven ninety nine. Should I just buy it? Like, just buy it. I would, I would just tell you that. It's actually worth it. You're going you're gonna to turn other people on to it. You're going to say, hey, listen, this is a great movie. Da, da, da. Uh, it's one of those sort of discovery titles, if you will. Like, certainly was like a discovery title. People didn't know what it's about. And all of a sudden, they're like, oh, my gosh, this is actually really great. And then you know, they want to tell, tell the friends. You, thing, you broke, you're breaking up a little, again. This. Dead dicks. Can't forget the name. We're, we're dicks. So, anyway. Okay, sorry. Uh, am I back again? I'm just, sorry. Just watch Dead Dicks is what I was trying to say. That was That's hilarious. For, you know, my mom watch, listens to every podcast we do. And literally, if I could do an impersonation, it would be Dead Dicks. Dead Dicks. <laughs> she's gonna love it well at least the, the the title got through if anything right but i, I was just trying to say oh, watch, watch twice the watch the movie <laughs> don't watch the trailer just go in and see the movie it's a great film you will not regret it it's one of the better films of the year i'm surprised it's, it's on a, <laughs> more people's top 10 list i'm done with my number four naomi by the way like one br one br is best without the trailer not that the guy didn't do a great job cutting the trailer but again the less you know unlike you know the more you know from the 1980s or whatever like the 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 less people know they the more surprised and you know exciting it is okay um gosh uh, 
uh, again, in no particular order, I'm just going to go with paranormal activity. Um, again, I know this is not great, great filmmaking. Uh, I know this because I actually produce my own little, um, uh, uh, like parody of it called Paradrunken Activity. Uh, because again, I, I did, you know, I was doing comedy for a while and, um, uh, and I remember like, you know, having too much to drink one night and then, you know, all of a sudden I'd like, I don't know, like my underwear, like my underwear drawer was wet and I, you know, I don't, I didn't know why. And I thought, <laughs> or, or, you know, there would be like bizarre th things would happen and there was really no explanation other than the fact that, well, I got drunk and did something dumb and weird in the night. Uh, but I, you know, it did occur to me, what if I just set up a, uh, you know, a, 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 like a camera and, and, and just shot myself, you know, see what happened. Anyway, the point is any film for me that inspires like other art, I think, and not that, it, not that paradrunken activity was art per se, but, um, you know, they took the, I don't know what the budget was on that. Probably $10, about. Okay, so you know it was uh, it was uh, maybe um, an un maybe a, a mortgaged uh, unpaid for house. I don't know. Whatever. The point is, it's nothing, and uh, they've managed to make what ten of them now. It's incredible. I think that's mad props to them. And um, and shoot, they you know I. Managed to inspire mine as well. So I think that's pretty great. I think it's one of the highest returns of any movie of all time. Yeah, that's what, what I'm saying. It's insane. It was one of the films, actually, uh, DreamWorks at the time picked it up from Slamdance. Uh, and they came to me and they were like, hey, watch this film. I watched the film. And they were like, we're thinking about making a shot for shot remake of this with Matthew McConaughey and Ashley Judd. And I'm like, this is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, it's, it's scary because you don't know if it's real. The ending is terrible. And Spielberg at the time, obviously with DreamWorks and the whole thing, he actually helped them out with the ending. And the ending cost like almost as much as the movie because that girl had changed her hair and they had to do some special SAG thing and it cost a big penalty. And it was like seven grand to do like a day and a half worth of like shooting the same way they did the first one. But like, it was, it was funny. And um, I remember testing it and making a bet with uh, head of market research for uh, DreamWorks. And I was like, I bet you a steak dinner at Mastro's it's going to test this, bet this score better. And it scored like five points above what I thought. And so I want to stake out of the whole thing, but uh, nice. Yeah, it was definitely, but Jason Blum was obviously a genius and, you know, has gone on and we helped him a lot with the, uh, crafting his earlier films like The Purge and Insidious and, uh, and uh, even uh, Sinister, which had a different ending too, by the way. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, just a smart guy. He's a Svengali, you know, he's, uh, he's huge. Yeah, the Paranormal Activity movies are another one that kind of created its own genre and like millions of copycats too. So did, yeah. I mean, the, the Purge, I mean, the first Purge, I mean, let's be honest, wasn't great. Like, you know, but like the second and third ones were vastly improved and they have five purges now and a television series you know what i mean and so it's like uh it's actually even worth its weight in gold in comparison how much it costs initially but what it's made for the studio you know maybe they'll say the same of one br 
Not that it, not that one br wasn't great, but you know, two br or one br two bathroom, keeping it fresh. Yes, keeping it I fresh. think that has some real uh, potential. <laughs> You've got a built-in sequel name. It's awesome. Totally. Mm -hmm. Cool. On to my number three. Um, it's from 2017. It's a movie called Overlord. So Overlord's a bad robot film, and it's tough to nail down a genre on this one. It's like World War II mixed with science fiction, mixed <laughs> with horror for the ultimate Nazi ploitation movie. It's like a Nazi killing ride. Uh, really awesome special effects, really great makeup. Uh, a lot of stuff done practically, which I appreciate, especially with the gore, which it does not hold back on. And the sound design on this movie is great. So if you have a good sound system at home and you play this thing, it, it put my subwoofer to the test. It had my windows rattling. Uh, and if you're a Game of Thrones fan, there's tons of Game of Thrones folks in here. Uh, Euron Greyjoy, uh, Pilu Asbeck, he steals the show as, as Waffner. Um, and then you've got like uh, Grey Worm in there. Uh, there's just some really cool Game of Thrones references. And then Wyatt Russell is really great too as one of the soldiers. So it's about these soldiers that come behind enemy lines during World War II and stumble upon a, um, a science factory where they are practicing different things on soldiers and it gets crazy real quick. It bends genres at about 30 minutes in. So watch Overlord from 2017. It is a hell of a ride. I would argue this, though. I would argue, though, that it's a little bit... Uh, there's a video game that was an inspiration, I think, for this, to some extent. Oh, 100%. But, uh, Castle Wolfenstein, I mean, it's... it's yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, just that. But I, I thought it was a very good realization of that idea, because they clearly never did a Castle Wolfenstein movie like they should have, or maybe they have, and it's shitty or something. But, uh, but yeah, but I, that's what I would argue. But uh, going on to my number three, uh, I'm going to say uh, Alien Addiction, which I had to put one comedy horror kind of thing in there. It's more comedy sci-fi than it's necessarily horror, I would tell you, but there's some horror elements. Um, it's a movie that just released like two days ago. Uh, Shay um, Silver is the director. Maybe I'm missing up the name right now. I'm just getting paranoid about that. No, I'm pretty sure that's his name. Uh, he's a video director out of uh, New Zealand, Australia. And this is his first feature. And it was actually really mm -hmm. funny. Like you will laugh, you'll be scared at points, but really it's more funny than it's scary. And it's a good movie to like, um, if you're in a state that allows it to get high to have a gummy or something and watch this and you will not stop laughing. I mean, you will, you will not want to stop and go to the bathroom. It's so funny at certain parts and stuff like that. So um, there's a, an actor in it who's sort of like, his name is Jimmy Johnson and he's sort of New Zealand's answer to um, Pete Davidson. Um, he's naturally funny. You're going to have a great time. I just tell you that you're not going to recognize anybody at a movie. If you're American, I can tell you that like you're, nobody. And they, they talk funny over there, too, obviously. But uh, despite all those things, uh, you can still understand them. Uh, it's not that thick an accent. It's not like you went going to Edinburgh or something like that. Um, but um, hilarious movie. Very, some scary parts, too. But really kind of the comedy horror thing that I'm – a sci-fi comedy horror thing that I wanted to put at least one of those in there. And so I've done that, and I'm done with that pick. Alien addiction. Is, looking forward to it. Is it better than Cats, though? <laughs> Well, I mean, Cats is amazing. 
uh, Naomi and I before uh, we're friends, like, you know, just out in life, you know, and we uh, went to one of the last things we did, I want to say it was in February or March, uh, Alamo Draft House here, which you have one too over there in the Bay Area in uh, yep. the Mission over there. Um, but we have one in LA, downtown LA. They have this thing called Rowdy Cats. So we got to uh, go and watch cats and talk to the screen. <laughs> and so people were singing. Naomi was dressed up like a cat. You can dress up like the park. She was yes. singing. Well, we had taken some edibles. We had taken some edibles was the, was the problem or the, or the brilliance of it. And it was like, I'd never seen cats in any form. I've never seen a musical. I've never seen whatever. And I'll tell you, we did take a lot. I mean, I took like 25 milligrams and we had like also beers. And so it's like, she's singing this thing at the top of her lungs. And at some point we're just all so high. Like, can you just shut up? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and then we the started, we started no. looking into how, the answer is no and, and we started looking into the film because we we're just high and we're like this, this movie is a racist it's a racist movie like this these the holy cats are the black cats why is Tum Tum Tigger why is he the bad cat why is Jennifer you know Hudson why is she the and we're like this is racist and we start going racist racist and everyone started chanting with us all 25 people in the theater it's a small theater um, but they started chanting with us and it was certainly, I mean, I, I'm going to tell you this because we haven't gotten to see any movies in the theater since everything's been closed down. This is my favorite movie of the year that I saw thus far <laughs> in the theater. I mean, I'm Thank telling you. you. It was Thank the you. I mean, I will see it again, but I can never not see it high. Uh, I had to see it high uh, because I can't imagine this, this whole thing being as amazing as it was the first time, unless <laughs> I'm probably high in some way. And I'm, I'm not a big person to get high all the time. But for this, I would do it. <laughs> Sorry, did, did you go to Amy yet or not? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, Number let's three see. is Cats. <laughs> Number cats. three is Cats. It's a horror movie. The, the greatest horror movie ever. <laughs> no, um, uh, gosh, you know, although I'm gonna stick with the theme of sort of drama nerd. Um, and by now I've sort of established myself as having slightly eclectic taste. That's okay. Um, people are going to see this coming. It's The Bad Seed, which is a 1956 movie for which uh, Patty McCormick, who I've had the pleasure of meeting, uh, was nominated for an Oscar at the age of, I don't know, I'm Googling it now, but I mean, she was like a little girl in this. Um, it's basically about a little murderess who's, uh, is, but, you know, her murder gene like skips every generation. So, you know, her grandma was a murderer, then her mom wasn't, now she is, da, da, da. but she's this little precocious little sweetheart uh, that you'd never uh, imagine. And um, anyway, I actually played her in, I want to say junior high school. It, the movie was based on a, a, a play uh, by Maxwell Anderson. Uh, but, um, and then they made it into like this, you know, horror thriller in the fifties, uh, which is of course all in black and white. So you kind of have to know what you're getting into. It's not, you know, it's not gonna have like, you know, the buttholes retouched like in Cats. It's, you know, it, this is pretty low. You know, it, it, it's not all that, but um, uh, she gives a fantastic performance and quite honestly uh, inspired, inspired me like as an actress, like this was a role that I played at a very young age and 
from that moment on, like, I mean, I swear my, my, I mean, nowadays with Facebook, our, you know, friends from junior high know what we had for breakfast, you know, so it's no mystery. But if, let's say there were no Facebook, there were no Mark Zuckerberg, people from my high school, if you were to say like, where is Naomi Grossman today? They'd be like, oh, she's on a stage or film somewhere, you know. Uh, based, if anything, just on the bad seed, Parker Junior High School, 1984. So, they, there they you are. A, they made a remake of that. Uh, Did they? Macaulay Clock and Elijah Wood when they were babies. Oh. Yeah. oh no! Oh yeah, the Good Son. Isn't that wasn't that sort of the remake? I thought sort of. Uh, I thought that was. It's, it's like a similar I mean, it sounds premise. Exactly the same. What you're talking. Uh, okay, uh, I did not know that, and I'm sorry to hear that. Actually, it's not bad. It's not a bad really? film. He's actually really good being, like, Macaulay Culkin is the bad guy in the movie. I mean, we'll not spoil it to anybody, but yeah, it's yeah. pretty obvious. But, but it's actually, you know, fairly effective for what it is. He does a okay. good job. All right. So that's the bad seed from, what did you say, 1956, right? Yeah, yeah. So go watch the bad seed from 1956 buttholes still in that movie not retouched <laughs> <laughs> i just split this episode into two parts because the file was too big the second part is coming up next